Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the One and D podcast. I'm your host, Vikash, joined by my co-host, Sagar. And today we're going to be talking about some video games, namely Pokemon. Yeah, for sure. And um, since we're talking about Pokemon, I think it's uh, just a good point to put out there. You really haven't played that many of the newer games. You played Pokemon Sword, so you have your experience with that. But you didn't really play Pokemon Sun and Moon, Ultra Sun and Moon, and X and Y. Or um, you also didn't play um, Omega Ruby and, and, and Alpha oh, Sapphire, yeah. right? That too, yeah. I Last Pokemon game I played uh, through, you know, an actual gaming system was Platinum. I did start Black and White, but on like a ROM, but it wasn't, I mean, I didn't finish it. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it. Played Played a few ROMs here and there. Okay. Yeah, so it's been a while before you played sword that you played any of the other games so right. you but basically I, I keep missed, up to yeah. date with my pokemon knowledge with uh you, you know uh pokemon showdown i do like to pub stomp in that uh arena you know what i'm saying yeah and i think um that's one of the better things about pokemon especially now we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later on in the cast but they've really uh been stepping up how they want competitive to be a bigger aspect of the game but I think uh, we could just start with our, I mean, let's start with your opinion on Sword, and then I'll talk about the build-up to what has led up to Sword being what it is. Okay. Well, first off, before I go into it, I think the reason competitive is being pushed so hard is, number one, obviously, all these competitive online games are huge nowadays, so they want Pokemon wants to do the same. But I think Pokemon Showdown has a big influence in that because uh, Pokemon Showdown, if you don't know is a online pokemon battling platform in which you can create your own teams and battle in specific tiers or you can do random battles where you're assigned a team and you're playing another person who's assigned a team uh so it's a very fun platform and i think there are hundreds of thousands of users on pokemon showdown if not millions and pokemon saw that and saw how popular it was and they, they said let's revamp this whole thing and make sure Pokemon Sword is the best competitive game that we've put out. But, that being said, Pokemon Sword is utter trash. As a game itself, there, it's a com- completely terrible region. It is super, super tiny. There's not much lore to it. It's Overall, it was pretty boring in my opinion. I did not enjoy it. And I can see why I kind of stopped with the Platinum. You know what I'm saying? Um. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh, this game, I really felt was not finished when they like released it. I feel like you would agree with that. They really didn't um really make the world feel like an actual like universe you're stepping into as a character. And the sad thing about that is there's been so many games that are not Pokemon but have been inspired by Pokemon that do a much better job of really expanding story. One of the cool examples again is like Nexomon, which I highly recommend playing. I'm sure you would too like that game was amazing. Graphics were great. It was it was a 2D game, but um, the Pokemon were interesting. The story was really, really good. Definitely way above anything Pokemon has done. And, like, it's just... The, where we are today, like, in 2020, there's so many good versions of games inspired by Pokemon that Pokemon really doesn't really have an excuse as to why they're just not producing good content at the moment. In terms of, right. like, a, a main game. Yeah, like, Nexomon, it was... It's a really good game. You can play for a dollar. We're not sponsored, but... 
it's a really good game. Might as well play. Nexomon 2 is coming out sometime this year, I believe. And so, if you want, if you're looking for a Pokemon like game, if you're disappointed in Pokemon Sword like I am, just go play Nexomon. Uh, we played a little bit of Temtem too, but I we didn't get very far. I'm sure we'll get back when it's more developed. But there are many games out there that show that they can cre you can create a great game with a much lower budget than Pokemon has. I just feel like they did not create an immersive experience. Um, there are games out right like right now on the Switch, like the Zelda game Breath of the Wild, that you love. I, I haven't played it yet, but it has a beautiful and immersive world and that you can explore and it's so open world and you can see all these you it's utilizing the switch to the fullest with its graphics whereas pokemon sword i feel like really missed the boat on that one like i think they took schematics from the previous pokemon game to create some of the pokemon uh and whatnot i think they could have made the pokemon look cooler they could have made the region look cooler it's yeah, just so... not a special game it, that that's a good point. There's like two main things I want to touch on with what you said. One is the Zelda thing, and then two is the reused models. So you're right. Like basically, all the models they used were ported from the the 3DS platform. So Tyranitar looks the same. Pikachu looks the same. All the Pokemon look the same, other than the new ones, which obviously they had to create new models for. But again, that's little over a hundred Pokemon, maybe not even, and. The whole idea about an immersive world, yeah, you're right. Like, with the Zelda, you get to free roam and explore the entire world, right? And Pokemon, I think, have the right idea with the, like, a wild area. I think it has potential. But the problem is that I, I don't know, again, I don't know if this is a coding issue or, like, a programming issue, but, man, like, it does not feel immersive. One, because the graphics could really use a step up. I know they can utilize them better. Um, yeah, some people defend them by saying, hey, it's fine the way it is, but from what I've seen with Breath of the Wild, I can tell, like, they can do a better job. And two is, if you're in the wild area, or if you're in a, like, a city, right, it doesn't feel immersive because things load in as you walk. So, like, say I'm in the wild area and I'm going somewhere, a wild, like, Steelix, one of the biggest Pokemon in this game, you know, other than, like, Waylord or something, just pops up out of nowhere. Like, that's not immersive. That's like, oh... It just popped up. The game was loading. So, like, those kind of things really distract you from being involved with the game. And it's really it's really bad because, like, I've never had any of these issues in, like, Breath of the Wild or anything. And Breath of the Wild came out before this game. And they actually reused Breath of the Wild maps for uh, the wild area because, like, you can see the similarities. So I'm really disappointed in the lack of them, I guess, optimizing the game. Like, I'm not sure if you had those experiences, but, like, you'll be walking in some city. And, like, um, one of the main cities you go to is Motostoke. And, like, when I was walking back, uh, walking south to the wild area, like, someone's onyx is on the road right there. And it just, like, pops up and just, I stopped walking because I ran into it. But it wasn't there, like, three frames before. So those kind of, like, met, like, just, like, stupid, like, graphical choices and the way they optimize the game is really not great and i think they really need to improve that it's been a while since i touched the game i don't remember that in particular but yeah like it's not a great it doesn't feel like a final product and that's why they have dlc like the world is so small in comparison i feel and there's not much to it to where they have to expand to these dlcs where i'm sure they'll be more free roaming and whatnot and they're adding more pokemon and it'll be cool but i'm not inspired to buy it 
not, the game is not good enough and I, I put in the hours. I put in quite a few hours in the game, but that's because they made it so easy to get shiny Pokemon. They made it so easy to get level 100 Pokemon that the competitive scene is okay. But uh, honestly, I kind of just made a team so I could battle you, and then uh, that's it, really. And then uh, that we kind of, I kind of stopped. You, you've kept going because you enjoy the competitive scene a little bit more. Um, but I haven't played in a while. Yeah, for sure, and. Um... Yeah, I'm only playing because of competitive. Like, um, I think they're doing a really good job of that. But again, there's so many things that, like, you can't assume that every person playing a Pokemon game is going to stick around for the competitive scene, right? That's gonna that's gonna be a minority of people. If we're like we're being honest, millions of people play the game. I'm sure maybe at most a few hundred thousand would play competitive. Like, I'm just guesstimating here, but it seems like that's the amount. And I understand them trying to get it more involved because of, you know, all these different tournaments popping up. The prize money's increasing everywhere. And, like, there's so many tournaments that just the community holds themselves. Like, recently in the Pokemon community, there was a tournament held by uh, a world champion and, like, some other YouTube creators, right, and Twitch streamers. Where they, like, pooled together, made this, like, fan-hosted tournament. And I see, like, that's great, right? That's good for the community, but that's not really impacting most of the people in like buying Pokemon and like with you, for example, like you're right. Like after you beat the game, there really isn't, there's really nothing to do. You can go to the battle tower, which is I think a terrible execution of it. One, cause you have the ability to Dynamax your Pokemon, but no one in the tower does other than Leon who you fight every, what, four five, six players. And so that's not even a challenge itself. And so what, what I noticed um, I was doing a lot through my playthrough was us putting like these self-imposed rules on my team just because the game was so easy and I think um, the games have been getting easier but you'll be surprised to know that this game is actually not the easiest of the last like three generations I would say x and y is still easier and um, I want to talk about the experience here a little bit because it's changed so what do you think about the experience here in gen 8 um is that where like every single pokemon gets experience yeah every single pokemon is getting some experience and i think isn't it easier than previous like like so the experience share your regular pokemon doesn't get the half the experience and everyone splits the same percentage or something so i i was trying to look it up but i couldn't really find how experience was split this generation but it was actually improvement over the last two generations, believe it or not. Because in X and Y and Sun and Moon, your first Pokemon got experience and then every other Pokemon got to have the experience. In this game, I did notice that like when playing through, they were tweaking it so the Pokemon that participated more in a certain battle got more experience. And the ones that didn't really do anything got less. And so they're tweaking this, like the math behind it. But this game's experience share was actually better than the last two generations, which is surprising. And so, like, I'm sure you would have had, like, a big problem with <laughs> X and Y and Sun and Moon because of that. I mean, it just seems like, I mean, their game's targeted towards children, so I can't blame them. But at the same time, the previous games were, too. And it just seems like such a walk in the park. Like, on day two of the game, you could go to the wild area, get a bunch of candies, and have, like, a level 100 Pokemon and breeze through the rest of the game. Well, would it listen to you? I don't know. But you can have the highest level possible with the candies and then just 
it's just no fun at that point. You're kind of just coasting through. Like, didn't you have, you had a level 100 after like the third gym or something, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I had a level 100 Vikavolt. And like I was talking about like the the self-imposing limitations. I just didn't use it for the rest of the playthrough. And so, yeah, you could easily just farm candies. And it's not that hard to farm them given that the online system, which again, I have some complaints about, complaints about is also kind of messed up. But you could do as many raids as you want and get, as many candies as you want and again i understand that it's there for competitive but maybe there's a way to tweak it so that it's a limiting i mean i don't know because ideally you'd want to start competitive after you beat the game but i don't know what they're thinking with that and i don't know how many people had the same experience as me where i had a level 100 after three gyms but i'm sure like the one thing i know is that that was not possible in earlier games right that was only possible this generation. So I mean, you could have a level 100 in previous games. Yeah, it would take a lot of grinding. You'd, have, you'd right, have to be insane. Instead of like yeah. two hours or some, or like a little bit of candy grinding and you've got a level 100 already. Like, I don't know. Like, it's essentially Pokemon has turned into Animal Crossing Light in that all you're doing is going through the day with mundane tasks. There's no strategy involved and you just you know, complete the game mindlessly because you just got overpowered Pokemon and you're steamrolling, one-hit KOing every single opponent that... What's the point at that point? Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely something. And, um, yeah, so... One of the other reasons I really enjoy Pokemon games is the story. And, yeah, granted, Sun and Moon were not... You know, they were actually a little bit easier in terms of the experience share. The story was really good, and I think that stories in Pokemon games are something that keeps fans interested, like one of the greatest stories, right, like Gen 1 and 2 when you're ba battling Team Rocket, that's a major part of the game, right? And, you know, all these evil teams have their motivations and reasons for doing things, but these teams are, not not even just the team, but these, like, organizations that conflict with the main player's point of view and what the main player is trying to do is a big aspect of the game, and in this game... They just completely took that away. So the team in this game is Team Yell, which is not even an evil team, right? It's um, a fan club for one of the rivals who's not even really that big of a rival because her character doesn't get fleshed out at all. She talks to you like four or five times. I think her name is Marnie. And like after that, it's like, okay, it's done. Like nothing comes out of it. And I think that's a major gripe I have with the game, along with the fact that the Chairman Rose... They, the story doesn't even make sense because um, if you remember like the last part when you're getting near the finals, like the day before the finals, he's like, he calls Leon up there like, hey, I need you to catch this legendary Pokemon so that we don't run out of power in a thousand years. And like just reading that dialogue, I was like, okay, this, you're going to run out of energy in a thousand years and you're going to summon this legendary Pokemon that causes Dynamaxing to just to randomly happen everywhere and for Pokemon to wreak a havoc for what? Like, even the motivations and the reasoning behind his, like, actions were so stupid. Like, earlier generations had good, like, villains. Like, Giovanni, for example. He's a villain, but he's, like, he, ha <laughs> he has common sense. He knows what he's doing. He has a goal, and he's trying to accomplish it. And when he gets defeated, he, you know, takes a step back, analyzes what he's doing, and then at he even disbands Team Rocket at one point, right? In this game, he does. like he like, there's no reasoning for it. And then Leon tells the chairman, like, "Hey, okay, I'll do it. Just wait until after the championship." So Leon agreed with him, 
But despite that, he went ahead and did it the same day anyway. It was just so stupid. Like, I, again, the story was so bad. And I think that took away from it. And then building off the story aspect. Um, in other games, one of the, the cool things I feel is like invading the enemy hideout. Would you agree? Like, that's something that was cool for you? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, in this game, do you even remember a villain hideout? I, I really don't. All I remember is you go to the one of the gyms or towers or whatever. You go into the elevator and you fight the chairman. Like in the other games, you had to go through like through these complicated like mazes. Like again, you like you said, it's a children's game. But uh, like when you were six, seven, eight years old, like Silfco is a pretty fun puzzle, right? You have all these warping panels everywhere, and you need to figure out how to get to the right panel. And it's not necessarily just going up to the highest floor because if you did that, the war panel there doesn't take you to the end. So they're like it's. It's interesting and it and it's um like something of a challenge that you have to get through just to fight the boss and I feel like that again is missing in this game and it's a bummer and those kind of things really pull away from it and that's why I think um we had such a bad experience with it it's not just well, that it's not it's designed for kids but that doesn't mean it has to be easy that's very true but I feel as though maybe they thought by in, by having puzzles in the gyms did all the gyms have puzzles i don't remember i, don't remember I think the first so. one did yeah and by having the puzzles in the gyms they can be like oh we substituted the evil puzzles for these fun little gym puzzles where you have to roll these pokemon into a pen it's like uh at this point it's maybe they think 10 year olds have matured even less to this point but 10 year olds are very smart nowadays i must say um but yeah back in the day i was bestowed uh, with uh the game boy color from my wonderful cousin uh and i put so many hours into pokemon yellow pokemon uh crystal pokemon gold and there was one more one more game boy color game and i found it challenging as a 10 year old i think 10 year olds would not find this game challenging at all there's no challenge to it even if you're a small child because everything is so straightforward in the game yeah and i think again that's a bummer of this game and <clears throat> believe it or not like one thing I'll, like what do you feel about the championship battle do you think it was like challenging for you at all or no the cha- not at all not at all it was one of the easiest ones i've ever done interesting lance was amazing dude lance back in the day um emerald steven was a cool yeah, one yeah they had so many great champions and leon just it was not a challenge at all you know what i mean so and yeah i, I just steamrolled through everyone and like you said before i think you mentioned the battle tower is that that's just where you do the pokemon league right essentially that's the elite four quote unquote um and this one no the battle tower is like after you beat the league but the league is in that big stadium in the main city and it's like and do you fight like the same people like so it's like a bracket style thing and like you I I don't I don't remember who you fight to get to Leon, but you definitely go through Hop. You go through like some you go to that one dude, I think his name was like the, I don't know, the gray haired kid who I thought was a girl. He was so like you go through some some yeah. people, right? And yeah. then in the battle tower you go through those same people. Yeah. And you get to maybe battle Leon at the end. Mm-hmm. And so in previous games you had things like the Battle Factory or uh you know, the Orange Islands or something where there's actually some post-game to do. This post-game is just a cha- just re-challenging the people you faced in the Elite Four, which you could do in every other game too. Like you said previously, there's not much to do in the post-game in this one. 
Yeah, but so one thing I will say about Leon, like it was easy for us. I, I would agree with that. But compared to the last few champions, I say he's better than them. Like his team overall is really balanced and it has some like competitive Pokemon on it. Like Aegislash leading off is like something you see sometimes. He has two dragons, which have like base stat totals of 600. So in terms of like Pokemon on his team, and the leveling, it was it was decent compared to like other games. Cause like if you think about it, um the change happened because our teams were too strong. But it like in terms of the team Leon had, so he has an Aegislash, he has a Dragapult, which is super fast and super strong. He has a Haxorus, and then he gets the starter that's strong against your starter, right? Because uh your rival takes the one that's weak against you, which is a whole other topic. And then he has his Charizard. And so overall, I, I like I like his team. They're all like mid-60s in level. And when I fought him with the restrictions I had, my Pokemon are also like mid-60s, right? Because I didn't like use any candies or anything. And so it was, it was challenging. I had to use a few potions here and there. Um, compared to the other regions, though, like one example I can give is Pokemon X and Y, where I don't even remember the champion's name, but... Like, by the time I got to her, and again, this is without, this is a game without these candies, right? This is how broken the experience here was. I got to the champion lady, I don't remember her name, and my Pokemon are in the mid-70s. And her Pokemon are, like, low 60s to mid-60s. And, like, I just destroyed her. So, I think Leon is actually stronger than the few previous champions, which is crazy to say. Okay, so it's good that you prefaced that I haven't played those. Yeah. Uh, like I just remember the Stevens, the Lances, the yeah. um, you know, the Cynthia's. Yeah, Cynthia was a great team. Games. Steven but was a great team. I do agree. I agree that uh, Leon had a great team, very different, very competitive. I remember. I don't know if I remember correctly. I think my Pokemon were still in the fifties when I battled him. Really? I think so. <clears throat> Interesting. Possibly. I'll, I can go check. Probably right in the history in the of the thing. game. Yeah, but. Again, I think, okay, so here's another main point, and we talked about this a little. I think this would be a good idea, like, if they do implement, like, a hard mode. Like, so all the trainers in this game have zero EVs, and I don't think they have IVs. I'm not sure. And just, like, again, for a preface, because I'm not sure everyone knows what EVs and IVs are. Basically, when you're training a Pokemon, IVs are what they're naturally born with, so they can be just good in attacking so when they reach like a level 100 their stat will be up a certain number of points right evs are gained through battling pokemon and so like say you want to get a fast pokemon in this game for example rookity would give you speed stats so if you beat a bunch of rookities your pokemon as it evolves using those like effort values it got from beating it will grow faster in the speed stat right there's also nature but that's not really as important for this kind of thing because it impacts very little in terms of gameplay. And so this had zero EVs and zero IVs. So that means that it, it would make sense if you beat them. Because you have level 50 Pokemon that have accumulated effort values and have IVs. And they may be level 50s. But if you compare it to Leon 65 level Pokemon, they may not be as strong. Because they have literally no like stat boosts in any of their stats. Right? So that that's completely plausible that... You beat him with level 50, like mid-50 Pokemon. 
because your Pokemon were stronger just naturally because of the Pokemon you fought along the way and the effort values you gained. And so I think that's a good idea. Dude. Yeah, because yeah, this is a, we keep saying it. This is a game made for children, but adults play this game. So many adults play this game, and those are the people who are actually, you know, going into competitive and doing the scene that Pokemon is trying to push so hard. So might as well implement this game mode where it's more challenging to them because, like, for me, maybe I I, I don't know. I'm not big in in big into the competitive idea. I like. The fact that in Pokemon Showdown, I can create my own team off the fly and then, uh, you know, battle on there. But to have it in the official Pokemon game, to have your own Pokemon that you trained up and you fed candies to, you made it level 100, made it competitive, all these effort values and everything. It's a fun process to some. And that would be more enjoyable if the first part of the game were at least a little bit difficult. Yeah, for sure. And like, just, uh, I'm just thinking about like, imagine if Leon's Dragapult, for example, had EVs for speed and attack, right? It's a totally different story because it outspeed you and it could do a decent amount of damage to you. So like those kind of threats, I think would be easy to code in into a hard mode where you're not really changing anything other than EVs. So the Pokemon you're facing are just stronger, not necessarily level wise, but it's like stat wise. So I think it's something they could implement. And um, they should really try doing that. In regards with competitive, I think um, I'm really enjoying it. Like, I've been playing a lot recently. And your your point about Showdown is, like, really valid. Because a lot of, like, it's hard to just build a team in, like, Pokemon Sword and Shield, right? And, like, so we talked about EVs. So when you're in competitive, you have to plan out and, like, formulate exactly where you want your stat points to go for Pokemon. So, like, say just like using a very common pokemon charizard right say you want your charizard to be having like really fast special moves so mean like flamethrower and air slash you'd want to trade it in um special attack and then you'd also want to train it in speed if you wanted to hit first so it's 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 hard to invest in those and like without having a full team formulated and that's the beauty of like pokemon showdown because you can go in there and you can create your team adjust all the stats as you want and then do mock battles with that team and so i think that's a really it's really cool and i do like that aspect of it for sure yeah like for me the reason i don't go on pokemon sword is because i would love to make a competitive team but then i don't think i'd play it uh, there's just nothing pulling me back to the game not even the dlc and i think we should touch on that the dlc versus a brand new game because i think they they were saving whatever's in the DLC. I think they had this in in progress, but they didn't want to put it out earlier. And they knew they couldn't put out a game this year, so instead of giving us a complete game, they're going to give us what, two DLCs? I don't think I'm going to buy them. It's $30 for both of them. Yeah, $30 combined, yeah. Combined for both. And they staggered it. If they if they pushed up the DLC date to earlier, like maybe last month, I feel like that would have been genius because everyone is quarantined. I may have been more inclined, but at this point, there's just no nothing pushing me to buy the DLC, even though there's going to be more Pokemon, there's going to be new content. If if the previous content is an indication of what the ne- what the DLC will be, it'll probably be not as huge as it should be. And so I got pulled into buying this game because I was sold into the idea of it being this immersive world that 
people always wanted with Pokemon, right? Like you get you get these spin-off games like Pokemon Snap for the uh, N64 was it? That was an amazing game. It gave a new twist to Pokemon where you're riding in a cart and you're just looking around and you have to take pictures of Pokemon. And there's sometimes some pictures of Pokemon that are extremely rare that you have to get to fill off the the database that you have to compile, right? That's a fun game. Uh, you've got other spin-off games like Mystery Dungeon and Pokemon Ranger. Those were great games. And it gave you a little bit more into the idea of what a Pokemon world can be, but it didn't like overstep what it could, what it, you know, what is not feasible. And then you get into Pokemon Sword and it's a, it's a fun game, I guess. It looks pretty cool because it's on a new system. It's on the Switch, which has so many capabilities that I hope Next time, the, the next Pokemon game that comes out, I'm definitely not going to be as hyped for because this was such a letdown. I will wait a little bit before buying it if it's on the Switch because I want to see if it's actually this world, this huge world, this immersive world that actually looks good and that I would actually put time into that I enjoy playing. And that hard mode would actually be really fun. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> just on the immersive world aspect, like, so you start off in the like hometown as any normal game. And within a few hours, not even a few hours, like maybe an hour and a half, you take a train to the wild area, right? And so if you're imagining from your town to the wild area, like there's like a rail car you get into when you go through a new station. Yeah, go for it. The the wild area is in this game, um, an area that you have a little more wiggle room to roam around and there are many Pokemon and um, there are these things called dens where you can fight these giant forms of Pokemon, which is the new twist for this Pokemon generation. And that is the quote unquote open world experience that, uh, Pokemon thought they were giving uh-huh, just to give yeah. a little bit of context as to what the wild area is. Yeah. So that, good point. Um, so yeah, so basically start off in your hometown and within an hour and a half, you'll get to the wild area. The problem is you go to the wild area via like a train. So, like, there's this entire cutscene with you and your rival sitting in a train. It's, like, it looks good, right? But the point is, like, in terms of the map you cover, that area is, like, maybe 30-40% of the entire Galar map in terms of, like, um, just area size, right? Because uh, you're going north. So, all that area where the, the railroad is, I don't think any of that is, like, explorable. It's, like, already off the bat, a decent chunk of your map. Thirty percent is something you can't even explore because it's just like a rail takes you somewhere. So they made the art map look artificially big, and I think that was pretty, pretty scummy of them to do something like that. And um, I, I like your. So I also want to talk about the DLC, right? So the one thing I'll say is that, like me personally, I think it's good because I'm if, if I buy a game, right? For example, I bought Pokemon Sun. I would not buy Pokemon Ultra Sun because I really don't care about the extra, what, 10-15% content they added. But what they did with this game was they added a DLC, which is cheaper than a brand new game. And you can just put it onto the game you currently have. So that made me want to buy it. Like, if they released a Pokemon, like, Sword Premium or some some other name, right? Um, I would probably not buy it for the 60 bucks. Like, just why? No thanks. But with the DLC, it's like, hey, okay, 30 bucks, not the price of a full game. Might as well try it out. And <clears throat> this is the other scummy thing I really, really don't like that they did. 
is they gave an excuse that they couldn't fit all the 800 Pokemon into this game. And it caused a whole controversy on Twitter. <laughs> like some people were calling it like Dexit and stuff. And it was so funny. And like, Dexit as in, why Dexit? Like, because there's like 400 Pokemon exiting the Pokedex. <laughs> ah, <laughs> like, it was a play on Brexit, right? And so I was like, okay, at least it's because of the 3D models is what they claim. And then again, like we covered earlier, no, they just reused models from the 3DS. They just ported them over. And now what they're doing with these DLC is each batch, there's going to be two runs in June and December. They're adding 200 Pokemon in, right? So ideally by the end of December, you're going to have every single Pokemon catchable in the game. And so that whole excuse they give about not being able to fit all of them in was just a lie, right? Like they're giving them back. And what I don't like is that they're paying you, they're asking you to pay to get access to those. Like, sure, you can, like, you'll get an update if you didn't buy the DLC so that your game is compatible with getting these Pokemon, right? So, like, say, for example, you, like, is there a Pokemon that you really missed in this generation that you wish you had? Uh, I guess, like, Metagross, let's say. Okay, like, you, okay, say you really love Metagross, right? You'll get an update so that it's possible for Metagross to be compatible with your game, but there'll be no way for you to actually catch a Metagross, Right? So you're going to have to like ask one of your friends who has the DLC to do you a favor and trade over Metagross for something. And like, that's so stupid. And if you don't have friends, you're kind of messed. You're kind of in a, you're kind of stuck, you know? Yeah. And like, it's not just like, don't have friends. I'd say like you're in a friend group, but you're the only one who likes Pokemon and plays Pokemon. Like in that case, like you really don't really have anyone who you can just message and trade with. You'd have to go on like some online forum or something. So that's like pretty scummy in my opinion. Like it'd be one yeah. thing if I, I understand what you're saying with um you're more willing to buy a DLC than a second version of a game. But what I've heard from previous generations, like people love black and white too. People love Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, uh, way more than they did the previous ones. Like there's a reason we bought platinum after diamond and pearl there's a reason we bought emerald i didn't i didn't have ruby or sapphire but there's a reason why people buy emerald after ruby and sapphire with dlcs i think it's so disingenuous because they made such a barren game there's nothing to this game and the dlc is filling out what they just didn't put in originally i feel like the dlc is content that should have been in the original 60 dollars game and I feel like, I don't know, maybe the times have changed. I'm definitely sounding like a Pokemon boomer <laughs> in that I played the old games. I'm an old game type of guy. Um, but it, it, back when I was a child, I would never get DLC for a game. I would never get DLC for any of the Call of Duties or any other game that had a DLC. But I would always be able to get Call of Duty. Mainly because parents are buying it, right? I mean, I wouldn't buy it because... I couldn't pay for DLC and I didn't see the worth for it back in the day. But now, even now when I can buy my own, there's, I still don't see any worth in it. And when a new game comes out, it just feels as though it's a, there's more content to be had within the new game. There's more story. There's more, you know, it feels like it's more of an immersive experience. And when the first game is good, the second game, you assume would be even better and so if this dlc is coming out it's just filling out the missing parts of this game yeah i mean you may be right like if i if like 
for example, if Sword was a really amazing game, then yeah, I would probably buy the second version of it. But since it was so terrible, maybe that's influencing my thing. Like I wouldn't really buy a second version because the first version was so trash. But also for you, there's there's more purpose in getting the DLC because you enjoy that competitive scene. You're enrolling in that tournament. Yeah. That's what May twenty something. May twenty second. So I think it's May twenty second. Right. And so uh, we're recording this on five seventeen. And so for you, you're getting more content. You're getting more Pokemon in that you can use more teams. There's more uh, variance to the teams that you can create and the teams that you can face. And there's more strategy that can go into that sort of stuff because you truly enjoy that part of the game. I personally don't. I don't do competitive. I don't really care for the new content because the previous content was trash. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And again, I think you're taking the right approach by since you're not as involved in the competitive as I am and like there's no real reason for you to come back to the game. Like for me, I'm doing it more just because I I love playing Pokemon games. So like I'm just playing it for the fun of it. And then for competitive, if there's something that's good, I definitely want to add it to the team because like now there's a lot of Pokemon that previous generations had that we don't have like a Metagross, like a Salamence, like Garchomp. Um, and a bunch more Alakazam, for example. One of my favorites is not in this game, which I think is a crime. I don't know why they did that. Um, but because yeah. Gengar is goaded. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, so that I think, again, pretty scummy that they're having these 200 Pokemon coming back in and you have to pay to get them, even though they probably had the capability of adding all 800 in the first place. I think is just not, like, it's it's in bad faith. And this leads me into, like, another thing. So, they announced this new software called Pokemon Home, right? And it's basically a cloud storage for your Pokemon game. And it seems amazing, right? You get access to the GTS, which I need to get into as well, because they took it out of the game, right? You don't have access to it. GTS is the global trade system in which you can trade your Pokemon with random people. Uh, I think you request a Pokemon, or you put a Pokemon up for trade and you request a specific Pokemon in, in exchange. Exactly. So they took it out of Sword and Shield. And just a reminder, this was in like X and Y. It was in Platinum. Okay. Like this has been around for a while. And then, oh, the the other beautiful thing about it is it's only available on mobile. And <laughs> that just boggles my mind. So you have Pokemon Home on the Switch. You can also link your account on your mobile device. And GTS is only available available through mobile, which again, I don't know why they're convoluting these things. And so they're charging you 15 bucks a year for Pokemon Home to get all the features, right? And the key thing is you get access to um, 6,000 slots, right? And it's like, yeah, that's pretty good. Cloud storage, you get 16, I mean, you get 6,000 slots. So just here, try to guess this. How many, how much data do you think is 6,000 Pokemon's worth? Like, just having all their data in their boxes. 6,000 of them. Um, 6,000 Pokemon? Yeah. I don't know, like, a gig? Uh, if I, if I like, I was reading some stories, and each Pokemon is takes about a few bytes. So... A few bytes, okay. It's, uh, I don't, I'm not sure, but they're saying, like, just the 6,000 Pokemon data itself, it's probably less than, like, two megabytes worth of information. Okay, pretty cool. And so, they're charging you $15 a year for two megabytes worth of cloud storage, okay? Um, you get like 15 gigs with Google Drive for free. And like, so again, I think that's 
just so. I mean, are they selling you the cloud storage? They're not selling you cloud storage. You can't put whatever you want on there. They're selling you the the service itself. Like so, the service home and being able to put your Pokemon in one convenient place and being able to trade them in one convenient place. Not as convenient as it should be because you can. Only oh no trade no it on you you yeah you can only trade it on your phone. And again, the service they're offering isn't really that amazing it's just a pokemon storage system you had access to those things prior like in earlier games you weren't limited to 32 boxes if i remember correctly and so i just i find like they're charging you you were you you could do more than 32 i don't think you could oh you couldn't okay no. i just feel like 15 dollars for a service that all you're basically doing is storing all your pokemon in one place i think it's way too overpriced one two the amount of data you're storing not that that great and then three, the other thing I don't like is that you have to pay to access your old Pokemon, right? So, like, say you had a really memorable playthrough with, like, in Pokemon Fire Red, and you really want to use the Gengar you had in that game, right? Like, bring it over in a sword and just play with it in Sword. Like, in earlier games, that was all free to do. And with Pokemon Sword, you have to um, transfer it to Pokemon Home. So that's $15, right? And then you have to transfer it to Pokemon Sword. Okay. And I didn't even mention the fact that to do any like um, Pokemon competitive stuff and like raid battles with other people, you need um, your Nintendo like Switch online account, which is another 20 bucks for a year. Right. So like that's another fee added. So these like fees are snowballing. Um, And one example I can give about in the past generations, it was free. Um, I remember I think it was in Pokemon Platinum. You had like this park. So if you had a game on like uh game boy advance you put the game boy advance cartridge in the bottom of your ds and your sd card in the top and you could transfer them over um with pokemon x and y right you could just log into some service and it would transfer over pokemon to like from pokemon black to x and y and it was free so they've had these free transfer things in the past i don't know why they had to hide it behind a paywall i mean i, I do know why they're just they want more money but again, I feel like $15, again, too pricey. Consider the fact that to get most out of Sword, which already has minimum features, you need a Nintendo Switch Online account, which again, if you don't have that many friends who also play the game or have Switches, then you'll have to pay the full annual fee for Nintendo Online. So, like, it's gotten so expensive to play one game and get all the features out of it, where in prior games, like when you had Emerald, you had the entire package for... What was it, like 30 bucks at the time? So, I don't like the direction they're going with that. Was Emerald really only $30? I don't remember, but I think MSRP was... For Game Boy games, it was like 30 bucks, right? Was it? Oh, dang. That was the heyday of video games. So for like, Nintendo, yeah. at least. This game is $60. If you account for DLC, that's another 30 bucks. So, you have Pokemon Home because you want old Pokemon... And you want the ability to store more than 32 boxes worth. That's another 15 bucks. And then say, I mean, yeah. So again, you're looking at more than triple the price of it, like an old game. And it just, I feel like you're spending all this money, but you're getting a product that's not as good as it was in the past. So yeah, I, I'm really, I'm not, I'm really disappointed in Pokemon. I think being one of the largest grossing like entertainment and media companies, they could do so much more with what they have. And I feel like they just, they're just playing it easy because they know the demand is there for the games. Like people are going to buy Pokemon games. 
Like, yeah, and that's the problem. Yeah. They don't see a decline in profit because they see an incline in profit because people are actually falling for all their stuff that they want to implement because you know there are people who are, will always be interested in that and that they'll pay that premium to have these services but it is strange because you see games like fortnite or warzone come out that are free to download and then you you can play for free you just have to if you want to buy something like a skin that's simply cosmetic uh there's no like pay to win in those games and then there are other games that are like one-time fees and then you can have like infinite gameplay like minecraft you can play you it's a one-time fee you pay you can play your single player world you can play on multiplayer worlds just all under that one-time fee and then you have something like stardew valley where you can have hundreds of hours in the game and you won't get bored uh, i mean there is there is an end to the game in, in a sense to where you know there are specific goals that you can reach but there are also like post-game goals that are extremely hard to reach where you have to make a lot of money so that you can get them uh but there's so many games that are out there that don't charge you extra to get content that should just be free honestly in this day and age but pokemon can get away with it they're a nintendo game they're just raking in the dough right now and you know they're reaping the benefits of the past yeah and it's a bummer and i really think um i mean i don't know how hopeful we should be because like i was talking about i've played x and y i've played um was uh, sun and moon right and i've noticed each generation they're just leaning more towards this hand holding like game and so like you said i'm not really I'm i'm gonna wait until i see the new game whenever it comes out now, one of the good rumors I've heard is that it's going to be a Pokemon Platinum remake with like the Sinnoh region, which I think is a really good region. And um, it was up there if uh, you guys listened to our previous podcast about the best regions in Pokemon. And so I think they have some potential with that. And um, hopefully they're good with that because like this game, man, like, like, again, we have all these complaints, but it's selling really well. Like people are buying the game. So it's selling really well because it's the newest Pokemon game exactly. on the newest system. But if they do come out with a Pokemon Platinum remake, I would be tempted to buy that if they were to revamp and use the Switch technology to the fullest, then I would totally buy it. Imagine that Giratina weird weird world <laughs> uh dimension thing that you just go in like all these twists and turns and everything but in such a an amazing graphic form. Uh if they if they use the switch to the fullest, then I think I would buy that game. Honestly, I can't even imagine it because if you think about this game, there was really no mazes, right? We had like these caves, and the caves are essentially a straight line, right? <laughs> you go in and you come out. Like there's literally a railroad track in the game that tells you exactly where to go, and like a game from like 2002 with like a Mount Moon is like harder than that. <laughs> so it's a uh, Bro, I, I bet Rock Tunnel was harder than all these different, like, I, I don't know, man. It's a game meant for children. I don't know how much we should be criticizing it. But at the same time, you're right. They are still charging off the wazoo for all these different services. So is it really made for children? Is it made for fanatics that are older? Is it made for children who just steal their parents' credit cards? I don't know, dude. Yeah, and again, I think... um Again, like you're saying, it's a game meant for children, yeah. But if you look at previous examples, like we've said, there's plenty of like examples where they were harder in the past, right? 
be it Pokemon levels, how you gained experience, how you had to grind. Um, like in Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, which is the only Johto game I've played that's officially Pokemon. Um, beating Red on Mount Silver, like oh man, you have to, you have to train to beat him. Like he, he's hard to beat. So, like there's things throughout the games which are difficult and challenging in the past that they could easily bring back. Um, competitive has been fun. I really enjoy it. I think they're doing a good thing with it, and I really wanted to talk about it a little bit because, like, um, mainstream media and like news channels and everything were up in a frenzy when <clears throat> it was like announced that. Remember that Fortnite tournament, and I think the first place uh, winner won like a million dollars or something. Something like that. And like those moments are like so are occurring much more often and it's like legitimizing video games and like esports in general and i see it as a very untapped market that pokemon could really get into because they already have this fan base of so many people if they get like more people into competitive and like ease them into it i think there's a lot of people who enjoy just battling right because at the end of the day the essence of a pokemon game is battling and so i think they're onto something with that um one good example is there's a the twitch streamer he was 2016 world champ um wolfie vgc um he puts out daily content on just him battling in the master ball tier and like you know doing creative things and those videos get hundreds of thousands of views sometimes so there's interest out there for those kind of things and i i really want to see that explode because i think that'll get more people into the game but at the same time, I'm bullish on the actual game itself, and like one of the Bearish. yeah yeah one of the main uh, travesties of this game, I would say, is like the linear nature of it. Like there's so many cutscenes, it didn't really feel like you had an opportunity to explore. You're like taken from one place to another, like you go to this city, then this city, um, and then the other thing is Leon basically did everything for you. Right, like remember one part of the story when all the Pokemon were going berserk, and then like I remember there was like this this scene where like a like some Pokemon Dynamaxed um randomly in the wild, and like in other games it would be you who went to like calm it down and like beat it and maybe catch it. In in this game you 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 hear about it, and then Leon comes out of nowhere and he's like, okay, it's fine, I'll go take care of it. Then he dashes off to go take care of it, and like those are things that you used to do in the past. So, I feel like they need to flesh it out. I feel like this game was rushed, and <clears throat> yeah, hopefully they do better. And then they yeah, also... I don't even remember the, like this game was so not memorable to me. Yeah. I don't remember any aspect of the game, to be honest. But besides fighting the big spaceship monster uh, Pokemon, um, but with the competitive scene, I feel like they should lean more into it. I don't know how big it could get because if you think about it. Fortnite tournaments, uh, Call of Duty tournaments, you know, uh, Dota tournaments, League tournaments. They're all these action-packed games, and a lot of them are strategy. Half of them are strategy, and half of them are, like, reactionary, you know, shooter games. And Pokemon is that strategy game, but it's, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem as captivating to watch as those other games for some reason, in my mind. Because... Mm. I mean, yeah, you have the fanatics who will enjoy it because they're like, oh, wow, what move are they going to use on this? When are they going to switch? What are they going to use in this situation? Why did they do what they did? 
but uh like with those with dota or league you're it's a very strategic game but also there's action involved within it in this game the reason i don't like competitive in pokemon sword is because you have to watch every single move be done and i'm like i don't want to see a hydro pump hitting the other pokemon i just want to see how much damage it'll do and that's why i disable animations when i play the game because i don't really care for the animations and so that's the only like quote-unquote action that happens within pokemon and i'm not really keen to it and that's literally the reason i don't play competitive yeah i definitely understand that point of view and um I guess maybe it's because I've gotten into it competitive that I enjoy watching the games more because like there's so many like cool tournament clips that you can watch and like there's so many insane like reads people make like protecting at this point switching into something correctly or like calling someone else's switch and protect at the same time and accounting for that when they make a move. So like those kind of things are entertaining but again I don't know how accessible it is to like more like a lot of people to like understand fully if they just start watching with like a Fortnite or something like it's action packed you're like constantly like there's something constantly happening whereas in pokemon you know there's like a cooldown period where you have 30 seconds to pick a move and then you have to go through the animations and then watch everything so yeah i, I wonder how they would address that it, it's definitely I, I do agree like that's that's one of the the drawbacks but we'll see how it goes. The one other thing I really wanted to address was the new mechanic in this game and battle mechanics in general. So over the last like few generations, there's been something new, right? So I'm sure some people have heard of like mega evolutions where Pokemon from previous generations got another evolutionary form and like it was done through a mega stone. And then it gave these Pokemon insane stat buffs, right? So we talked about stats in the past and so it gave each, like, just for average, say a Pokemon has 500 stat points, a Mega Evolution give you 100 more. So that's like a 20% increase in power. So that was an insane, like, battle mechanic they added. Then they got rid of it, right? And overall, I, I wasn't a fan of Mega Evolutions. They looked amazing, but for a meta game, not really the best because you can have all these Megas, but the ability to use one means that your opportunity cost is using another one that's more amazing. So, like, say you really like Venusaur, right? And, like, you really liked it. You thought the Mega was great. But for using Megasaur, your cost was Mega Kangaskhan, which literally broke, like, tournaments. That thing was so overpowered. So, I feel like Megas being gone was a good thing. I really didn't care too much for those Z-moves and, like, Pokemon Sun and Moon, where they were, like, 200 power moves and... They had some interesting effects, but nothing too crazy. What I do love is Dynamax in this game. I like it because there's so many more things you can do with it, and you're not limited to a certain number of Pokemon, right? So there are G-Max Pokemon, and some of them are great. They have great abilities. But at the same time, there's so many different Pokemon you can choose from to Dynamax, and it's more flexible to Dynamax because every Pokemon you have can Dynamax. And so there's a lot more strategy. Uh -huh. Like, uh, okay, yeah, you can't do Zacian and like some of the legendaries, but God. those aren't allowed in competitive anyway. So, um, so for example, right, the opportunity cost of Dynamaxing Charizard is maybe you can't Dynamax Excadrill or something, but they're both there's like there's no stat changes. Only their moves are getting buffed. So 
Like, there's no super amazing form of Excadrill you're giving up for Dynamaxing Charizard. You're just not Dynamaxing Excadrill and using its, like, Max Quake move. And so I like that aspect that Dynamax really gives you flexibility. There's timing involved as well because um, there's so many strategies out there where people are Dynamaxing early. There's some people who like to Dynamax later. Some people using certain Pokemon that they wouldn't use just for the fact that some of their Dynamaxing moves allow them to be more competitive than they were and like cover some of the weaknesses and they synergize well with teams. Um, it's really, it's really entertaining. Like one example I can give is Colossal, which is a rock fire type. So it'll get destroyed by water, but they gave it an ability and a Gigantamax form, which is again, confusing. And I think they need to rename these things, but basically it has a super nice move, but it has a really big weakness to water. So what people are doing is using a Pokemon with it, like a Gastrodon, which has Storm Drain. So if you try to hit Colossal with a water move, um, its partner Pokemon's ability is that the water moves go to it and it raises a special attack. So all these like little strategies and like covering for a Dynamax Pokemon, knowing that it may have a weakness, but pairing with something that'll make it even stronger. I think the combinations of those kind of things you can do is much more than like like the 10 or 20, like, because with Megas, there were really only 10 viable ones. Like with Dynamax, there's so many different strategies you could use. I've seen Grimstall strategies. I've seen, like, uh, Mimikyu strategies. I've seen more Peko strategies. So there's, like, so much you can do. And I think I think this battle mechanic is good. I don't know if they'll get rid of it just because... I mean, I don't know if they will keep it because the trend has been you bring something in, keep it for a few years, and then get rid of it. But I really do like what they're doing with the like Dynamax battles. I think we spoke about it in the previous podcast a little bit in that these different uh, Pokemon games are taking place in these parallel universes. I like that theory. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. Dynamax is interesting because you can apply it to any Pokemon. So yeah, exactly. It's a great battle mechanic. It's not racist in any form. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a good mechanic overall. Um, yeah so what what would you we'll say I think uh, yeah we're, we're reaching an hour mark so I, I just want to like so what would you say is like your main like mindset like your expectation for the next Pokemon that game that comes out what are you expecting trash okay you're expecting trash I'm just kidding I'm kidding uh, I wouldn't be surprised I don't know, actually, with, with, given all these previous games like you said I haven't played them everyone says they're handholdy and this one was just as handholdy, so the trend will continue, I assume. Uh, I mean, I am older. I am 23 years old now, so I'm sure there's a reason why they feel more handholdy, but at the same time, they don't have to be these super simple games. They can have a little complexity to them. Ten-year-olds aren't stupid nowadays, and uh, I'm just scared it'll be too easy, and... I don't know. There, there's a reason I didn't buy the previous few. The only reason I bought this one was because of a, they, they, they sold me on this immersive world that wasn't there, and otherwise I would not have bought it. And, I mean, it's a blessing in disguise. I got the Switch. Uh, my sister loves Animal Crossing. We love playing Super Smash Bros. Yeah. I'm not very. We're not the greatest at it, but I mean, it's a fun game to play with friends. And so yes, there are some positives and i need to buy games for the switch because i bought the game but i bought the system but 
expectations not very high for the next Pokemon game. I would say I'm in pretty much agreement with you. I'm very doubtful on a good product, but at the same time, there's like a little glimmer of hope for me that maybe the next game they learn from their lessons and put out something good. So yeah, no, hopefully they, they improve. The signs and trends don't point to it, but maybe they can take people's criticisms and uh, comments and um, make good use of it. I don't think so, man. Look, I think I I'm just being an optimist for the new <laughs> for the new mystery dungeon game, and it doesn't look good at all. Like it, it looks decent, right? There's megas. It's a update on the Game Boy Advance version of Mystery Dungeon, um, but it, the graphics don't look crazy good either. And that's a game that you could even argue would ha- should have even better graphics than this immersive world because that was an immersive world back then. You had these mazes that you had to go through and fight all these Pokemon as a Pokemon and build this village and this idea of a team and whatnot. But it, it was not good, and it's on the Switch too. And so, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just, I guess I'm kind of growing out of Pokemon, but is it due to me getting older or because the games are getting worse? Again, you still love battling, so I think it's the game's getting worse. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll go on Pokemon Showdown any exactly. day. Pub stomp on those little children and those adults that play Pokemon. <laughs> I'll beat them. Don't matter. 10-year-old, 20-year-old, 30-year-old, I'll beat you. Yeah, man. Just kidding. I'm not that good, but I'm pretty decent. I think that's a good declaration to end the podcast on. (laughs) Yes, sir. All right. Thank you for listening to the 1ND Podcast. We have a uh, merch store coming out soon, so be on the lookout for that. Please follow us on all our social medias. We've got a Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But thank you for listening. This has been the 1ND Podcast. All right, guys. Thanks, and 1ND out.